deal was reached this week. Most of the reports that we heard, it was all hair on fire. It was all crisis, crisis. And it was also the good guys versus the bad guys. One group wants to take everything you have. The other group wants to spend everything you're ever going to have. But a deal has been reached. I'll call it a preliminary deal because it still has to go before the Senate. But President Biden, he had vowed that he would not negotiate with the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, because Republicans wanted some spending cuts. Well, obviously, the president did come to the table, but also the Republicans did not get a bunch of things that they wanted, and a whole lot of people are not very happy about it. How could you? I can't explain it. I don't know why this is, but... I do know that for most people, I think for the average person, we care about our money. We care about the the direction that the country is going in. But what we don't care so much about are all of the reports about this, this boondoggle, because that's really what it is, about the bickering, about who's getting what and who's not getting what. I think people get weighed down by this. I think people kind of tune out. They don't want to hear it. It doesn't help. It really doesn't. When you turn, you start channel surfing and you listen to news reports on the different channels and it's so political and it is political, no no doubt about it, but it's more than just politics. This is more than just politics. And I think what happens when they focus so heavily on the politics, is that we kind of get lost. The details, they get pushed aside. The facts, they get kind of buried. And the story of the political fighting, it supersedes everything else. So what I wanted to do, I don't want to take a lot of time because I'm clearly, I'm not a policy wonk. I'm not a, you know, a fiscal type person. I'm not a financial analysts or anything like that. But I have taken the time and I usually kind of keep my ear open to a lot of this stuff. But I do know because I've talked to people and I hear this all the time. I'm so sick of Washington. I'm so sick of the Republicans. I'm so sick of the Democrats. They're all crooks. They're all, this is just craziness. Just stop spending so much money. I hear that all the time. But it really is a bit more complicated than that. And I firmly agree, we really do need to trim our spending. In fact, trim is not the right word. We need to slash spending. We need to cut it so bad. Now, one could argue, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time they talk about raising the debt ceiling, and then the other party says, we are not going to raise the debt ceiling. And then we hear that if they don't do it, 
then the country will come to a grinding halt. They'll have to stop their functions because they can't pay for services. They can't pay their debt. And what happens? Nothing happens. Well, that's kind of true. But the difference is when you go back and you look at the debt limit, when you look at how much money we have owed, more specifically, over the years, this is unprecedented. We have never, ever seen anything like this. Currently, we're at $31.46 trillion in debt. That's right, trillion. And I was thinking about that. I said, that's so, that's, that's so much money. I really couldn't really imagine how much it is. I thought about, remember when President Obama decided to give the Iranians money that was being held here in the United States? I mean, the Iranians, they're very bad actors. And they really hadn't kept their word on opening up and letting not just us, but other global leaders see what they're doing in terms of nuclear proliferation. Were they building nuclear weaponry? They didn't keep their word, but hey, President Obama, he kept his word. He said, well, you know what, here, here's money. And they sent, I think it was like two gigantic pallets filled with money. It was billions of dollars of actual cash, not an electronic transfer. This was actual cash that they loaded up on pallets and they put on a plane and they flew over to Iran and gave them all this money, despite the fact that they didn't keep their word. But that's another story. But looking at billions of dollars in cold, hard cash, that's a lot of money. But what does trillions of dollars look like? Well, I started doing a little calculating and I didn't do it at 31.46 trillion. I had to keep it simple for myself. So I did it at $30 trillion. 30 trillion, that's a three followed by 13 zeros. Imagine that in your bank account. I mean, really. $31 trillion, if we laid it out in $1 bills uh, end to end, it would wrap the earth 387 times. Imagine that. All of that money, it would wrap the earth 387 times. If we stacked it up, it would reach 18,930 miles high. Woo! If we waited, we put it on this massive scale, $30 trillion would weigh, it would weigh 66 billion pounds. This is so much money. 18,900 mid-sized cars. That's a lot. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, so how exactly did we get this much in debt? Well, we can go on and on and on. It's about overspending. It's about creating new programs. It's about creating new services. It's about being fleeced. Yeah, there's a lot of fleecing that goes on. And sadly, a lot of that fleecing is in our military spending, not about our military personnel, but I mean like these defense contractors. I don't know if you saw 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago, but they were talking about defense spending and how much graft 
is involved in that. I mean, they had this rocket launcher, the ones you put on your shoulder. And I know there are several different models, but they were talking about this one particular model. Just a few short years ago, the federal government was spending $25,000 per shoulder rocket launcher. Today, they're spending $400,000 a piece. There is no way. Even the expert was saying it's like no way that that thing has gone up in price that much. So there's a lot of waste involved here. When we spend millions, in fact, let me check myself. When we spend billions of dollars, we're helping Ukraine. And that's a noble and humanitarian thing to do. Yes, I'm going to say that unequivocally, but not to the tune of, I I made a note to myself. Let me go back and check that out. Yeah, 38 billion dollars. 38 billion dollars. And then when you look and you compare what other countries and countries that are in closer proximity, I might add, to Ukraine, what they've what they've committed. We're talking a world of difference. Germany, something like 2.3 billion, uh France and Great Britain, I think Great Britain was like six point something billion. The point is we have contributed, committed so much money to Ukraine. And it is what it is. We can go on and on and on. When you think about the illegal aliens, when you think about that, how much money our government is spending on SSI, on SNAP benefits, on healthcare benefits, on emergency shelters, it's in the billions. So we spend a lot of money and a whole lot of it doesn't need to be spent. But I digress. So the debt limit or the debt ceiling, as it's often called, is a restriction on how much the federal government can borrow to pay its bills. It's not about spending. It's about paying what we owe. So we owe $31.4 trillion right now. And Washington is really, is amazing when they're allocating funding It's like they're so lively. Everybody's excited. They're active. They just enjoy this part of the job, spending money. But this debt ceiling tells a lot about our spending. Every year, and let's look at last year, the U.S. government took in $5 trillion in revenue. $5 trillion. We spent $6.5 trillion in just stuff. And and important stuff, no doubt, but still a lot of stuff that's not as important and we really shouldn't be spending. So now we're in this catch-22. We have this astronomical debt that we must pay. We're not taking in enough revenue. We're spending more than we're taking in, and we are continuously accumulating debt. Uh Uh-oh. If you go out and you run up your credit card, you are obligated to pay that. You take out a mortgage, you're obligated to pay that. You buy a car, you take a loan out for it, you're obligated to pay it. The federal government is no different. But the government, despite its heavy debt obligation, it continues to spend and it continues to be obligated to pay that debt. Now, they have to find a way to pay it. Otherwise, they would be considered deadbeats. For a government to be a deadbeat, 
it has far-reaching ramifications. Okay, so we have this, this debt, and we call it our national debt, and they have to do this. They have to deal with this thing. So the question is, when will they deal with it? And it's really hard for a politician to deal with the debt. Why is that so hard? Because the way they make a name for themselves, the way they strengthen their parties, and particularly the Democrats, but the Republicans, they do it as well, is to make more promises, is to offer more this, more that, bigger this, bigger that, but it all costs. And who's going to pay for it? We pay for it. So on one hand, yeah, it feels nice. It feels good to get everything. But at some point, you really do have to pay the piper. We have a lot of expenses. We've got publicly held expense. We're talking about government securities and things of that nature. And then we have intra-governmental debt. That's when one agency borrows from another. I like to say, think Social Security, because I'm always thinking, all right, everybody, you work, you pay into Social Security. And when you're talking about baby boomers, that's the group that's paid a whole lot into Social Security. So when the baby boomers walk over and open up the big Social Security vault, what do they see? You think they see tons and tons and tons of money? No. They see a bunch of IOUs. No. This is what this debt ceiling is all about. They have to meet these obligations that were created in prior fiscal years. Maybe the year before, maybe a couple years before, but they've got to pay it. So this deal that was just struck between President Biden and Speaker McCarthy I really don't like the way it sounds. I honestly don't. I don't like the idea of removing the ceiling, removing the cap until 2025. Well, yeah, I want the debts paid, but it also says you can then create new debt and then we'll have, you know, to raise the ceiling again. People get comfortable with raising the ceiling. You know what, since I've been born, I think that debt ceiling has been raised. I've seen a couple of numbers. One said 78 times and another said 89 times. The difference, of course, is if you go back, let's say, to the 80s, well, we were talking about raising the debt ceiling to like two point, I don't know, $8 billion. That is a far cry from $31.46 trillion dollars. So this is something very, very different. So what really would happen if we failed to meet our obligations? We saw Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, she issued a dire warning, really suggesting collapse if, if the debt ceiling, if it wasn't raised. Now, she did say before that would happen, the government could implement some emergency measures. And I I ran through some of those and they're not pretty. They included not paying military people, not paying postal workers, not paying federal workers, and just not paying a whole lot of stuff until they could deal with this issue. And I don't think that's a measure anyone wants. People need their money, especially with all of this inflation and all these high prices. Yeah, people need their money. But again, we've been spooked so many times. Well, if this doesn't happen, then the government is going to shut down and 
everything's just going to go to hell in a handbasket. And what happens when we've had government shutdowns? Nothing went to hell in a handbasket. I mean, people were furloughed or people, they were promised that, federal workers I'm speaking of, they were promised that when we get this thing back on track in the next 48 hours, the next week, we'll make you whole, we'll pay you. And people went on about their business. The reason I think this is different is because, again, this is unprecedented. We have never, ever seen this amount of debt. We just haven't seen it before. But if we were to default on our obligations, it does say something about this nation, about our willingness to make good on our debt. It's just like if you loan someone $10 and they start avoiding you and you basically, what do you say? All right, you know what? I'm not going to even bother with that. But if you loan someone $10,000, you expect to be paid. Then there's the issue of credit worthiness. I mean, (laughs) to be honest with you, maybe that's not such a bad idea. We need to stop borrowing. We need to stop spending. But here in the immediate, we really are not in a good position to have people doubt our credit worthiness. We just aren't. I read a piece where Moody's, the credit rating people, where they said that if the U.S. failed to meet its financial obligations in just a two-month time span could lead to a recession. Uh, Some might say a deeper recession because I do feel we are in a recession, but that's just my feelings. They say most notably because of a restriction on borrowing. Not as many businesses could go out and borrow. Not as many people could go out and borrow. It also would lead to an elimination of jobs. The article went on to say that in a four-month period, and they consider four months long-term, but in a four-month period, they say that gross domestic product would decrease by about 4%. There would be a 30% decline in stock prices. And I know people say, I don't care. That's for the rich. No, it's for anybody that has a 401k, anyone that has a pension, because all of that stuff is tied up in stocks. Can you imagine a 30% decline in stock prices? Not so good. It will also erase $15 trillion in household wealth. And then lastly, it would wipe out 6 million jobs. I don't know if any of that would actually happen, but I look at it this way. If we're talking about people who spend day in and day out doing nothing but analyzing the economy, if they understand all of that, I'm going to take what they have to say a lot more than I'm going to take what some politician says, than what some TV news anchor says. So if they're saying this, I'm going to believe that the likelihood of those kinds of things happening is real. So the bottom line for me is that we need a rescue. And as much as I hate, that's a strong word. My mother used to always say that to me. Deborah, don't use that word. That's such a strong word. But I have to use it here. I hate giving this president, in fact, any president, the ability to just raise the debt limit because you know It's just going to lead to more spending the next go round, and they'll look forward to 
another debt ceiling increase, or in this case, they're just suspending it all together until 2025. The real problem is the imbalance between spending and revenue. If we are spending far more than we are, than we're bringing in, this is what leads to debt. This is what leads to this unprecedented debt. And we don't really put a lot of checks and balances. I mean, we as voters, as the American people, we just seem to just go along with it. Okay, they said they need it. Okay, we have to just let them have it. Until we get to the point where we don't reward politicians for making promises of spending more money, even if it's about spending to help us. But we really shouldn't have to tighten our belts as much if they deal with the wastefulness. There's so much waste here. And there's so much spending where there really shouldn't be spending. And the the things that they spend the money most on, these are important. If you break it down percentage-wise, Social Security. Yeah, we need Social Security. We need people. I'm a firm believer that senior citizens, people with disability, we have to take care of them. Now, one could argue that if people weren't wise enough, smart enough, disciplined enough to prepare for their future, hey, it ain't my problem. I don't share that point of view. It would be good, and I certainly encourage, and I'm trying to do the same myself for those those golden days ahead. We, we want to be prepared, but sometimes life happens. Sometimes bad health occurs. So we have to take care of people, people born with disabilities. We have to take care of them. We do not have to take care of people who enter our country illegally. We don't have to do that. We can give them a very, very short safety net and turn them on their way. They can come back the right way, but spending billions of dollars, and yes, sir, that's exactly what we're spending on people who don't even belong here. And we have Americans who are being asked to make these tremendous sacrifices. That's just wrong. All of this government waste, all of these silly contracts, I'm not talking about the defense contracts right now, but just go through the, just just look through it sometimes. Remember, even that whole Solyndra solar deal under Obama, it was foolishness. They never turned out anything. They collapsed and ran with the money. They're not the only ones. There are lots of uh, deals like that. So yeah, we've got to deal with this this debt issue. And as much as I hate it, it has to be done. But simultaneously, and this is what Kevin McCarthy allegedly, I'm not going to say allegedly, what he was trying to do. He should have tried harder. If we don't get a handle on spending really, really soon, The day is coming when simply pulling this rabbit out of the hat won't make a difference. 